developing here for the Lions. Urso puts in Facundo Torres! Goal! This time, Doherty Howard slips it past Keelan Sheridan, and the Fry take the lead on a PK. What Orlando City B, right on Q score. I win, don't wanna see me shining, I win. You don't wanna honor my thing, I win. Your girl watching my thing, I win. Every day I go in, I win. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show. This week, it's wins. And more wins. God, there's so many wins. Gavin, this is the first time since 2016 that Orlando City, Orlando Pride, and Orlando City B have all won in the same weekend. What do you make of that? You know, I hadn't put that together since you said that just now, and it does kind of blow my mind. It is crazy. This is the third iteration of OCB, to be fair. So I was going to say, granted, there were a couple years where they were on and off. Yeah, it gets a little bit more complicated, but doesn't take away from the fact that three wins on the weekend. That's Gavin Eubank. I'm Austin David. Once again, this is the Orlando Soccer Show. We're going to talk about all of those wins, plus a new soccer team in Orlando, and it's professional, and it's preseason just underway for college soccer. There's actually a lot to get to, so let's wrap around and get through it. Gavin, Orlando City wins one nothing on the road at New York Red Bulls. That's great. Yeah. Three points are good. Three points in this Eastern Conference race. Three points that put Orlando City vaulted them, what, three spots back up, four spots back up into the Eastern Conference standings? Yes, and there's like Uh, three points that separate them from the second to last team in the league. Yes, yes. So it's (laughs) every, every point, literally every single point matters. And to get three of them on the road at Red Bull Arena, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. Facundo Torres scoring his uh, goal in the 17th minute, number 17 scoring as well. Um, he has started to come into his own on uh, multiple road occasions. You know, he scored his first professional or his first goal, shall I say, uh, against the Galaxy in LA. And that was a, a big deal. And since then, he has really started to come into his own in MLS. You know, it's it, we were everyone was kind of worried about like his adjustment into the league, and rightly so. He's he's still very young. He's twenty two years old, but over the course of the last couple matches, I think since if you go back to the beginning of July, he has five goals and two assists. That's pretty pretty good. That is including the Arsenal game. Um, but over the course of the last month and a half, he has five goals and two assists in all competitions. I say he has five on the season, right? Uh, five goals total, yes. Because if you don't count the Arsenal goal, then it's four goals. So, um, And I think what's kind of important to note, too, is like, you know, as you say, he's coming into his own and... Orlando City's play on the field has evolved a lot over this season, too. I mean, we've seen a few different iterations of how Orlando has lined up. Obviously, Oscar Perea has had to deal with a lot in terms of who he's had available and how he's been able to set this team up. But definitely over the last several months, you're starting to see a more active, a more um, evolved, a more comfortable uh, Facundo Torres settling into this lineup. Now... Across all competitions, Facundo has eight goals and seven assists. That includes friendlies, U.S. Open Cups, etc. Like I said, across all competitions, I, I, that that's good. It's yeah. it's not your expectations for like Nani or somebody, you know. But through twenty four games, five goals, six assists in league, eight goals, seven assists in all competitions, the kids the kids hitting his stride. And that's exactly what you were hoping to see from uh, your your young designated player signing. I mean, he's got .24 goals per 90, um, almost a half a goal and assist per 90 minutes. I mean, and that's one of the more leading figures on the team. So he's he's definitely uh, he's definitely contributing. That's second 
<clears throat> that goals and then assist number is second only behind Urk and Kara this season for Orlando City. Yeah, and Urchan's been hurt the last couple yeah. uh, right. matches, so he has been out as of late. Um, the The good news is that he is back in training. Uh, our, our own Mike Gramajo was out there the other day. I'll be out there on tomorrow, today, at some point, uh, to, to check things out. But yeah, Urchan with his seven goals and two assists on the regular season, uh, hopefully is coming back in a very pivotal stretch for Orlando City. And uh, it's in good timing, too, because unfortunately, a byproduct of that Red Bulls win is the loss of Alexandra Pato. Pato uh, was tackled in the box, arguably should have been a penalty. According to Oscar Pereja, he thought it was pretty obvious. But the the big news now is that he might be out for some time. Uh, the latest update from the uh, Orlando City Communications Department is, well, basically that he's, going, uh, he's currently undergoing evaluation, but uh, the other day, the statement was that Pato suffered an injury to his right knee in the game at Red Bulls on Saturday. Uh, yesterday, being Sunday or Monday, uh, scans revealed damage to the internal structure of the knee, and a period of consultation with Orlando Health has begun. So within the next couple of days, they'll know the extent of the injury. But uh, when you say damage to the internal structure of the knee, not good. Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong, but like when you when you think about that, like the first thing that comes to your mind is, you know, the ligaments and the important ones, the ACLs that do tend to pop and tear and do all those things that you don't want them to do. Obviously, we have to remain optimistic. This would be a uh, pretty big loss, though, for the Lions, considering how much of a role that Pato has been playing now. He's been pretty cursed, but... He's scoring. still been a pretty active part. Yeah, he's still yeah. been a pretty active part of the of the lineup. I mean, the goal that Torres scores doesn't happen without him. Mm-hmm. It's a tough loss for Orlando, who again they've been finding their stride with this lineup in and out. You know, especially against the Red Bulls, seemingly because <laughs> the, the the two games where the lineups look the best is those two games against the Red Bulls. The issue is that well, th- this was a very Orlando City away MLS win. Uh, do you know what I mean by that, Gavin? A very Orlando City away MLS win. Mm-hmm. Uh, park the bus, hope for glory. Uh, basically, yes. Uh, they <laughs> they had two shots total uh, in the game, one on target, zero shots, zero shots on target, nothing inside the box in the second half. So 45 minutes of defending, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I asked Jake Mulraney about that. I said, you know, what what do you think about the the fact that you guys didn't score in the second half of the game, you didn't have any shots. And you know what he said to me, Gavin? I do. He, he said to me, who cares? We won. We needed three points. We got three points. And I said, okay, yeah. that's fair. You know what? I respect it. Yeah. You know, like I said, every every point matters. And I so I think to that extent, where Orlando City is, I mean, the focus, too, we all, I think, can admit that is on the Open Cup final and and getting that trophy, but as far as league play goes, you gotta you know you gotta scrap and claw for every point that you can get, especially in this Eastern Conference. And to get a result, like I said, on the road is certainly big. And this team is good at getting those results on the road. But ultimately, it brings me back to that quote that you mentioned the other day that Oscar Pereja. When do you remember when he said this? Was it when he when he got here in Orlando, or was this last year? When he first got to Orlando in December of 2019, yeah. he said to the front office staff, "I can't wait to get a a number of one nothing victories with you." Yeah, and I think you and can is, you can find yeah. that video. the The video exists somewhere online. Of him like taking a a lap around the uh, the office, like meeting all of the the people, and he said that to the front office. I just remember that sticking out in my head because I remember coming and talking to you guys and saying, "Hey, th- this is what he's expecting now." So get ready, and well, it turns out he wasn't lying. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's there was kind of that 
it almost feels like a mirage, basically, what Orlando <laughs> City was in 2020 and last year. I think partly because of who the players they had. Yes. Yeah, I mean, they had Daryl DK scoring at an immense rate that no one saw coming. You had Chris Mueller was popping off in 2020 up until, you know, he had that uh, pre-contract with Hibbs last year and then kind of completely fell out uh, in terms of where he was in Orlando. But, I mean, this team right now, as it stands, plays Oscar Pereja soccer, and they they're, haven't always gotten the results because it is kind of hard to constantly have to rely on your ability to keep a clean sheet. But mm-hmm. they have the pieces to get those results, and we've seen a lot this summer They've really had to grind out one nothings, two to ones, and they're doing it. And and you know, credit to them. They're they're they've got their game plan and they're they're executing it. And it might not be pretty soccer, but hey, Oscar Pereja doesn't get paid to to please you. He gets paid to win soccer games. So it, this is accurate. And just to update on on those three departed, uh, Daryl DK unfortunately has a torn hamstring. It sounds like yeah, he's going to be out a couple out. months. Yeah. And the, the kid just can't. Played, he can't what, break, 90 minutes since he's gotten to 90, West Brom? 96 minutes. Ugh, he tore his God. thigh, not his hamstring. So it's a thigh tear. But the kid can't catch a break. Like, he's he's electric yeah. when he's on the field, but, like, he's just injury prone now. And that's all of a sudden because he's never been injury prone his entire career. Mm-hmm. So it's such a bummer. Um, but. You know, for Orlando's sake, I guess they, they cashed out at the right time. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and then Chris Mueller uh, with Soccer City in Chicago and the fire. Uh, 16 games played, four goals, three assists in 1,200, almost 1,300 minutes. To put that in perspective, in all of 2021 through 29 games, he had three goals, six assists with Orlando City. So he's just about on par with what he did last year except he scored a goal more and had one or two less goal contributions and then nani just signed in melbourne so he hasn't actually started playing he played with uh venezia in italy and they got relegated so (laughs) you know that is what it is um but yeah the, the loss of pato how did we get from one thing to the other? Jesus. Uh, the loss of Pato is is a very big loss for this team. Mauricio Pereira is going to have to step up in the playmaker role. It was nice to be able to have Pato and Pereira as double playmakers. But now, I don't know what they do. Yeah, I, I I'm really looking don't. at, so FP Reference um, has these stats on Pato. If you... Honestly, kind of surprising here. His expected goals assisted at point three per ninety is ninety fourth percentile in the league. Mm-hmm. His assists of point three per ninety is ninety sixth percentile in the league. Hmm. Three shots on uh, three total shots up per ninety, ninety three percentile. So he has been a very active player and a very important player for Orlando City. So that would be a big loss if they if they don't have him, especially heading into that open cup final because that's where that's that's the ultimate prize right now that is correct uh now when you're looking ahead towards this uh next stretch of games for orlando city the hope is you have urchon kara back having again lost one of your big playmakers at least you can get one of your goal scorers back uh their their next couple games they've got a road with road game in charlotte who are very good at home mm-hmm. and are very bad on the road. So this is going to be a very tough game at Bank of America Stadium. Uh, Gavin, it's just a hop, skip, and a jump for you if you wanted to go. Yeah, I, I had looked it up. It's only about four hours. Not the worst drive. Not not that you know driving four hours there and back is pleasant either way. But uh, I think ultimately when the schedule came out, my plan was to do D.C. last month, Charlotte this month, Philly next month because they're all within like a five-hour drive, and then that just kind of fell apart. Mm-hmm. You know, then gas hit $10 a gallon, and, you know, travel became expensive. Yeah, that, that is so, fair. Gas yeah, has gone down quite a bit, though. It has. Yeah. It's not too late. Yeah. I I do work Sunday though. So uh, well then yeah, it's too late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after that, 
they host NYCFC, who is still, I believe, top of the Eastern Conference. No, they're second behind Philly. They're third now behind Philly and Montreal. Jeez, I'm just looking at the standings, and yeah, Charlotte being 1-10 in 10 on the road. 1-10-2. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. <clears throat> it uh, is not ideal. Charlotte, they're 8-4-0. Yeah, that... So, I mean, Charlotte's lost more at home than Orlando City has lost on the road this year. Yeah. And Orlando think, City's lost more at home than anybody else. Yeah, this is going to be a pretty close game. I mean, you've got a team that Charlotte scored 30 goals this year. Orlando scored 28. I mean, they both have negative eight, negative nine goal differentials. I don't see much separating these two teams in terms of who's got an advantage right now. Honestly, there's only four points that separate them in the standings, too. And Charlotte yeah. is currently fourth from the bottom. Uh, yeah. It is crazy because, like, Atlanta is second to last. And if they win a game, then they're propelled basically to eighth. <laughs> like, that's how that's how small of a gap there is between all of the good and bad teams. Yeah, I think only, only D.C. United has been mathematically eliminated. D.C. and uh, Kansas City from winning the supporter shield this year maybe san jose too they're they're pretty yeah. close but, but honestly the, uh... it's it's crazy because like even in the western conference you know 11th through 6th is all within three points you know i i love watching everton i love watching the premier league because it is did you say you love watching everton I, I love supporting Everton. Yeah, I don't love watching uh, them yeah, most times. Th- there you go. There you but go. I, you know, with the Premier League, like, yes, it's undeniably a 10 times better product. But you can't get this kind of parity in any other league in Europe. Yep. Like, MLS, honestly, you have to love it because nobody's out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your teams, you know, even the best teams aren't great. Philadelphia has tied nine times, and they're the best team in the Eastern Conference. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. would not fly in, in England. I but mean, to be fair, they're doing what Nashville—they're doing what yeah. Nashville did year, uh, two years ago. That's true. So it's, it's not—it's not anything <clears throat> new. It's just two they, teams in the playoffs that have ten losses. Yeah, I mean, put I mean, it to you this both way: the Florida teams, but Gavin Nashville drew in 2021 18 times. Yeah. 18 times and they finished third in the eastern conference honestly how can you hate major league soccer like it's just such a fun league there are people you Anything can hate in can major happen. league soccer yeah oh yeah we are what uh three quarters of the way through the season down to the final nine games for most teams and almost anybody can still make the playoffs yeah winning the league is basically between like four teams it's between LAFC. Real, yeah, I mean, realistically, yes. Yeah. But at the same time, Orlando City has sucked ass for most of the summer. <laughs> but they can, they're still very much can get – you get hot at the right time, anything can happen. <laughs> you know, you're I not, mean, like, you're remember, like, it's Seattle Sounders a few years ago got off to a miserable start. And then they, and then they turn around and won the cup, yeah. yeah. Put it to you uh, this way. The top five teams, LAFC, Austin, Philly, Montreal, NYCFC – uh, 10 points separate the first, well, 12 points separate first and fifth. LAFC is just that far ahead right now. But again, yeah. LAFC hits a bad patch. Somebody starts winning. I mean, heck, Minnesota is just outside of that little patch of five. Adrian Heath could make a big run and win the supporter shield for Minnesota. Well, that's... That's a stretch. That's a 16-point gap to overcome. And? That's a big gap. <laughs> it's five wins. He might... Yeah, but you're also banking on LAFC just, like, not winning any more of their games. It's MLS. Crazier things have happened. Oh, no. By all means, yeah. <laughs> I am Team Chaos. Oh, absolutely. You have an 11-loss LA Galaxy. Have yeah, that's... As many points as Orlando City. That is uh, that is something, isn't it? Yeah, we love Major League Soccer, folks. <laughs> All right, Gavin, anything else on Orlando City that you wanted to mention from that New York Red Bulls game? 
Not really. I mean, a lot of this, the way that this team plays is just kind of blended together. I mean, we saw a lot of the same Orlando that we saw um, against DC a couple weeks ago on the road. You know, they played well in the first half. They got that early goal and then a crucial injury pretty much forced them into a defend mode. And they, you know, this time they, they obviously held on for the result. But I mean, I think what we, we have enough of a sample size now to say that this is who Orlando is. They're going to be the team that scores one. I mean, they literally have a one goal per game average. So, I mean, they're not a high-scoring team. They're a good defensive team, and they're going to draw grind out a lot of results. And I know that you constantly see things on Twitter after the games of people, you know, berating Oscar Pereja for the way that this team plays. But that's just how they do it. And you got to accept it. <laughs> There's no other way around it at this point. I, I, th- I think that Macho Man Randy Savage puts it the best when he says, uh, you may not like it, but you have to accept it. Macho Man's always got something wise to say, so I appreciate that. It's true. He does actually have very good things to say. <laughs> He was he was going viral the other day. His his motivational speech about you know uh, well, there's one guarantee in life. There's no guarantees. <laughs> if you get knocked down, take the standing eight count and get back up and fight again. It was going all over Twitter. It was like this is was great. Was there a reason for it? No, somebody just tweeted out the video and it's like Macho Man's great, and then it went viral. That's all it took. Macho Macho Man was great. It's true. Indeed. All right. Speaking of great. Speaking of great. Let's talk about the Orlando Pride. The Pride one. Yeah. On the road. On the road. At LA. LA. I'm no. Sorry. At San Diego. San Diego. Yes, yes, yes. yes the yes. the second best team in the league, the San Diego Wave, came into the game with Alex Morgan top of the stat sheet in terms of goals scored. 11 goals for Alex Morgan. She had 49 career goals in NWSL heading into the game. If she scored against her former team, she would have had 50. And the pride shut her out. Big, big win for Orlando. Maggie Doherty-Howard's 23-minute penalty wins the game for Orlando. They held on defensively. I mean, to to be completely honest, uh, San Diego's finishing was... Not ideal. Uh, they had 19 shots, six on target, but big performance from Aaron McLeod, who came up with six saves, stood on her head a little bit to keep the ball from going in the back of the net. The Pride almost conceded 30 seconds into the game and somehow kept things out, which very much kudos to them and their uh, kind of reaction to things. I was talking to, to Meggie and to Megan Montefusco after the game just about kind of the reactions that the team has had lately. And it's it's been it's been very productive. Like they they've talked about how the the team has really bought into this new culture that Seb and Giles have put into the 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 locker room and it's very refreshing to be able to to see and hear and like Megan was like emotional in her press conference when I was talking to her. You could hear it in her voice where she was just like, this team has gone through so much this year, and to be able to, to get a win like this, to see all of our hard work come to fruition, it's just very emotional. And uh, it's 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 great to see. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for Seb. I'm, you know, he's he's been around for years now with this Orlando uh, franchise, with obviously playing in Orlando City and now coaching with the Orlando Pride. It's it's very good to, to be able to see people like that who put the work in to be able to succeed. So very happy for him. And, you know, the, um, it, it, it's just, he simplified everything. You know, he, he, he believes in the team. He, he has them believing in themselves that they can go out and, and slay the giants, if you will. And now the pride are within the playoffs. Like they're, they're just outside of the playoff picture. Chicago red stars have 23 points. Pride have 18. So if they get two wins over their next couple games, they play uh, their next game, I believe it's against Gotham, who are struggling. 
as of late. Now, uh, Gotham. Remember Ashlyn Harris and Allie Krieger? That's the team they went to to, uh, you know, do better than Orlando. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. currently second to last, 12 points on the season, and just fired their head coach. They also have the worst goal differential in the league. But they do have superstar owners. So there's that. Yeah, and they also did just, um, I believe they just they they uh, they just lost four to one in their last game against Oil Rain. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, but no, I mean, the pride, the pride don't get a lot of respect, and I mean, it's fair to say that that they don't necessarily deserve it because what have they done, you know? But. I mean, you really like the job that Seb Hines has done to take over this team in turmoil. You could probably say. Mm. Obviously, we don't know the full story behind the scenes, but for things to get to where they are today, you know, some bad stuff probably had to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, to be able to rally this team and now go five five games unbeaten. I mean. And then this big win in, in out in San Diego, like it just really shows the the work ethic and the the way that this group has come together. It's inspiring to see, and you know, obviously, we're I don't think most people are sold on the pride of being a playoff team, but there's no reason to think that this team is not going to fight to the very end to get that playoff spot if it's up for grabs. Um, I think one thing you got to kind of ask now is. Obviously, we don't see an end in sight to this investigation, quote-unquote, that's going on um, with Orlando. Do you think, you know, how, try to phrase this, can Amanda Cromwell step back into that role if given the opportunity and continue this, or is it that they have bought in to what Seb is doing? Mm Mm-hmm from that spot and by the way it is six unbeaten now for the pride not five six yes uh i'm gonna play a little bit of what megan told me about uh when i asked her what the coaching staff has been able to do for this team so uh here's megan montefusco on the pride coaching staff they've been immensely impactful um both of them played at such a high level um and they know what it takes to succeed and they know all the little details that matter and um like i said our trainings they set us up for success because they set such a high standard at training. Um, we move the ball. We work on rondos all the time. Um, and I think that really was reflected in the game tonight. Um, our ability to move the ball and, in tight spaces and trust that we can, um, that comes from them. That comes from the coaching staff and, and instilling that in us. Um, and, you know, it's, it's great to have them looking out for us because they've been at that level, like I said, and, um, it's just it's it's like they have our back with everything because they just know and set us up for moments like we had to fight through tonight. So um, I'm so thankful to have them on the staff and and to be looked after and to know that I'm prepared and ready each game. So it's been it's been great and they also have brought our team together too. So um, they made it a team and it's been uh, just a lot of love, a lot of love and a lot of just fight and great mentality and it's it's been fun. You can hear the emotion in her voice. It's just like that win meant so much to the team that you hope that going forward now it can translate into more wins, more results, and maybe a playoff berth when, (laughs) let's face it, the beginning of the season there were pretty zero to very low expectations for this team because they traded away their whole star lineup and then Marta got hurt. You know, one of those most famous like Yogi Berra-isms is that baseball is 90% half mental. And I, you could you could really say that that applies to, to any professional athlete. I mean, we know that there are so many athletes that are immensely talented at what they do, and yet sometimes it's just the mental side that keeps things from clicking. And then on the reverse, there are teams that maybe are not as talented, but they have the mentality that they – believe they can accomplish what they set out to do and i think with this pride group i mean this this victory shows like internally all right we just went out there and did that why can't we continue to roll off these results we've we've haven't lost in our last six games who's to say that we can't go out there against anybody in this league and give it to them and take a point take three points yeah 
And the fact that they just did that against the, well, now, third best team in the league. Right. Says something. And that, yeah, and, and wins like this can really go a long way. And obviously, they, they also just made, um, and, and made another move. Um, yes. trading with OL, OL Rain that I'm sure you were going to get to in a second, but, yes. you know, to kind of reinforce things. But I think this team, and listen, I like I said, I'm not sold on this on this being something more than what it is. I mean, this is, the, this is year one. the foundation one of, is there. Yeah, the foundation is, is there for something special. And, right. and you've, a year like this where they can take away, you know, and we all thought this was going to be the kind of season where the pride get trounced. Maybe they finish last second to last you know they're playing a lot of young players just growing pains but this is something that a lot of these girls or a lot of these women are going to be able to take on with them into the off season into next season and say we just accomplished a lot last year yeah and, and we're it's ready a, for more it's a it's a lot of young players too players yeah. that have, are having their first second years of experience in professional soccer and to to kind of go through what they've gone through and, and have this core group that has been able to kind of lift them up and this coaching staff has been able to lift them up speaks a lot more than what's mm-hmm. what's going on behind the scenes. It, it just it speaks volumes to, to how they've risen above what happened in June where they lost all games in June and now they're undefeated in July and through mid-August. Yeah. So now on to what you were alluding to. Allie Watt traded to the Orlando Pride. This came as a bit of a surprise because, well, uh, there, there wasn't an expectation necessarily that the Pride would be doing anything. And all of a sudden, the Pride are trading a good chunk of change to OL Reign. 125000 in allocation money. They, they got a lot over the course of the last couple of trades that they have made. But to throw uh, a decent chunk at O.L. Reign for Ali Watt, who is a promising young player. You know, Orlando has a lot of those, uh, but hasn't proven anything her in the league thus far. Uh, you know, that, that that's just being completely honest here. Like, she's been decent. Like, she started some of the games now for O.L. Reign. Uh, but last year, ACL tear had to fight her way back and... and her game is very predicated on speed so when you you know have a very bad acl tear mixed in with the meniscus so it was it was both at the same time that takes a lot to come back from mm-hmm. and heck she did she's been playing and she's become a fan favorite for ol rain you know just just her her speed her skill her strength She's, she's kind of a I-don't-take-any-bullshit kind of player. And I think that resonated with a lot of fans. Where she will, you know, fight for balls and fight for goals, etc. She was originally drafted by North Carolina. And then they traded her in December. Yeah, oh, well, rain. I think she was she was rehabbing during COVID. So she, she tore her ACL and meniscus 13 minutes into her NWSL debut in the challenge cup. And then she was traded while still going through rehab to OL rain. She didn't play all that much last year. Cause she was, she had a, a setback. It was like a fourth surgery on her knee to repair a failed meniscus tear repair. So they had to shave down her meniscus and added another ligament into her knee. So the big thing now is like, she's young, she's talented, but th- there, there is some worry about that meniscus tear. Because, yes, it was surgically repaired, and yes, she's been playing, but as we've seen with other players who have gone through surgeries, you know, it's, it's not a, a magical fix. It's not permanent. It's not, you know, you, your yeah, knee I mean, is that, that worry is always going to be there. Of yeah. course, yeah. I mean, from um, Jeff Kasuf um, had put out, he was responding to it earlier, and he said that it sounds more like it's a good trade to give her some more immediate opportunities mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. fit in with the pride. But I guess it also, I guess, um, OL rain had spent up like most, if not almost all of their allocation trying to get Tobin Ethan. <laughs> um, so it seemed like they were just kind of trying to move here to get some cash in. Um, but right. it, you know, it works out for both ends. Yes. And again, she was a sixth overall pick in the 2020 draft. Like she yeah. has talent. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that she's only played 400 minutes this season in 14 appearances, which means that she's coming in off the bench and making a couple appearances here and there. So right now the big thing for her is just getting minutes. And and like you said with, with Jeff, it's just they need her to get minutes. And she wasn't getting them in OL Reign. She'll probably be able to get them in Orlando. And she brings another dynamic to this team. You know, if you go back to her college days, like at Texas A&M, she, she scored 40-something goals. So she can play as a winger and, and drive down the wings, but right now this team is desperate for someone who can score, and Allie Watt could be that player. That is that is what they are hoping. Not only that, but you can have Haley Bujea, who also signed, who's only 18 years old, be a, a potential tandem with her. You know, they could play two up front if they wanted to because, you know, Bujea works better as a second striker from some of the film that I've seen with her. So I think it'll be a very interesting dynamic now. Plus, you add the fact that Julie Doyle is coming into form. Darian Jenkins is a very pacey player on the wings. It could open up a lot of different opportunities for Seven and his crew to be able to kind of play with the lineup a little bit more and not be handcuffed to basically playing the same lineup every single week because they don't have any other good enough options necessarily. But yeah, so I think that'll be a a very interesting time for the Pride. She'll probably get here within the next week or so. And uh, their next game coming up, as I mentioned, is against Gotham on Saturday. That's actually being played in Philly at Subaru Park. So it's a, for reasons. A, uh, just because, you know, trying yeah, to just, cause. just to just expand the game a little bit more. They always have a, yeah. a yearly thing where they play at Subaru Park. Well, it started with um, Carly Lloyd, yeah, because that was where she's from, and then she owns um, the team, so she's just like, yeah, let's just do it again. Yeah, <laughs> I, I guess I think technically, like, if you're talking about like markets, like the Gotham's like market range that falls within how, like, their the, market, yeah, yeah. So it's, I guess they can do that, similar to Orlando playing in Daytona, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty much the same. I mean, put it to you this way: from Harrison, New Jersey to uh chester pennsylvania it's only uh, like two hours it is if, uh, exactly an hour and 53 minutes by car yeah so that is that is not bad that's not bad easy little train ride uh the train ride would take uh two hours and 28 minutes that's not bad at all no so there you go okay so that's two wins down one more to go Orlando City B. They headed off to NYCFC 2, playing in the heart of New York City at St. John's University, and beat them 2-0. Go figure. It was a big result for OCB because right now they're standing-wise, they are, you know, not within the playoff race. Columbus is far and away the best team, but... All things considered, Orlando has a, a good opportunity to make a run. They have six games to go. If they get results in some of them, they might have a shot. But right now, they're 5-10-3 with 17 points overall. And it was Jack Lynn with two goals, right? It was. But I'll, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, Orlando has 20 points. In order to make the playoffs, they need 30. They're playing the team that's currently in fourth. If they win against them and they get maybe four wins out of their last six, there could be a shot. Could be. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned, Rochester, New York FC is the next team they're playing. It's at Osceola County Stadium on uh, Wednesday, being today. So if you're in the area, head on out to Osceola County Stadium tonight, and uh, you can watch the game. As you mentioned, Jack Lynn, both goals. He has uh, currently on the season 12 goals and three assists in 14 matches played, which means he has more than one goal contribution per game that he has played. I'd say that's pretty impressive. And also considering that (laughs) the only other person that has 
Any other goal contributions is Moises Tablante, who has four and four in 15 games. He is the second leading scorer on this team right now. Do you get an extra point? So they don't do stoppage time. They don't shoot at wins. They go. Do you get an extra point for winning that? Yeah. So MLS Next Pro does that thing where if the game is tied at the end of regulation, it goes straight to a penalty shootout, and whoever wins that gets an extra point. Okay. So it counts as a tie. It counts as a tie. But you get two points if you win the shootout. So <laughs> just looking at these numbers, I was like, this doesn't add up. It Hold does on. not add up. You're correct. <laughs> okay. So that's I don't know. MLS Next Pro is testing grounds for weird and wacky MLS rules. I'll just put it to you that way. I think a Apparently. couple weeks ago we talked about how like if you get a red card against a certain opponent, you're not suspended for the next game. You're suspended the next time you play that opponent. Yeah. I do remember uh, that mid-season change. Super, super weird. Anyways, OCB hopefully can do more, but they're getting some good opportunities for some of these guys, these young kids coming through. Um, you know, they, they, they have Fabian Loyola, who won the MLS Next Pro MVP in the All-Star game that was up in Minnesota last week. He's only played a couple games because he's still technically within the academy, but he's... Definitely a very intriguing product going forward. They've got a number of different other guys. David Bacuzzo was playing a number of games before he went off to college. Uh, Nasir Acosta, who's Sebas Mendez's nephew, is still playing with the team. But it's been it's been opportunities for a lot of other guys. You know, Adam Grinowitz has gotten a couple games. Mason got his first game back. Javier Otero has been very good. He's got 75 saves this season. And again, we talked about how Orlando City and their goalkeepers, uh, who have a lot of saves. What does that say about the defense? Well, I'll, I'll just leave that there for you. But yeah, uh, very, very interesting season for OCB, and ho- hopefully they can finish out their next six games with some results. Now, that's all the Orlando City, like the Lions and Pride. Let's talk about college soccer now. UCF and Rollins getting set for their seasons. I'm going to start with the women's side for UCF, and then we'll head into the men's side. UCF women, three preseason all-conference members. Kristen Scott, Caroline Delisle, and (laughs) Daria Rajai, all three named preseason American players. Their first couple games, very hard. Um, Put it to you this way, Gavin. On Thursday, they take on UF at home. So far this preseason, they've already played University of Miami, which they won 3-0 as a preseason match. Their season officially opens playing UF, who's always very decent. Uh, they did have a, a poor year last year, but uh, you know you feel like they have the opportunity to bounce back, and that's at home. Then they had to bat on Rouge, Louisiana, to take on LSU, and then they play in Utah to play Utah Valley. That's their first couple games. So, thus far, UCF women's soccer, I mean, they only lost one player from last year. Arguably, you know, one of their more important players. All things considered, this is mostly what you have from 2021. And because of that, I think that this team could be very good. I'm I'm very in, intrigued to see where this team can go because they haven't made the postseason since 2017, I want to say. But all things considered, I think this could be a very good year. But yeah, uh, Madison Mernon was the player that I was thinking of. She's kind of one of their workhorses in the, the defensive end. The one thing that Tiffany Roberts-Sahadek did in terms of her prep for this season was trying to shore up defensively because Caroline Delisle, their goalkeeper, was making a ton of saves, and she wanted to really shore up the the back line a bit, so she got a a number of different players to to really bring some depth to that back line, as did the men's side, uh, which I will talk about now. So on the men's side of things, they lost a number of players, including Nick Taylor, who's playing with OCB. They have retooled. They've got a number of transfers that have come in. They've also got freshmen that have come in in the spring, spent the spring season with them, and have gotten kind of acclimated to the team they beat the university of tampa in an exhibition 
this past weekend. They now play against Jacksonville in Orlando uh, tonight at 7 o'clock at UCF Track and Soccer Complex. Then they head on the road for their first game of the actual season to play number 15, Wake Forest. Now, I wanted to mention that one of the players that uh, UCF brought in was a former Orlando City Academy product who is finishing out his collegiate career back home. It is A.J. Seals. He was part of the Orlando City Academy. He was at NC State for the last couple years, and now he is coming back to Orlando to hopefully play more minutes and become a uh, competitor within this Knights team in their final year in the American Athletic Conference. It's very exciting for UCF. Now, I'll come back to the UCF soccer realm in a little bit here because there is a new team that I mentioned, just to tease that. But first, Rollins Soccer. Men's side getting ready for their season. They're going to be playing uh, Wingate for their first game of the season. They always play Wingate. It is uh, a battle of the Chin family. Dennis Chin went to Rollins College, and his brother Jamie went to Wingate. So it's always a, a fun little battle because, well, I mean, it's, you know, family rivalry and all that. So should be interesting. They have exhibitions before that game, which is on August 25th, against Flagler and Stetson which, Gavin, I know you know Flagler in St. Augustine very well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, their first home game of the season is August 28th against Embry-Riddle. And then on the women's side, same kind of deal. They've started their preseason. As of now, they're going to be playing the University of Findlay on August 25th. That is their first official game of the season, which is in the next, like, eight days or so. And they're both at home. They have August 25th and August 27th against University of Finley and Ashland University. So that's all for college soccer. We'll keep you updated as the season goes on with what's going on and when to go to games. So you don't have to look. That's what we're here for. Now back to the UCF soccer realm. Gavin, there's a new team. What? In the Orlando soccer scene. And it's not the Orlando Seawolves, but it might as well be. It's the Central Florida Crusaders. They are not playing Kissimmee, though. This team isn't run by a scumbag either, is it? No. No, it is not. Okay. Okay. So they're not the same. There are a lot of comparisons because, well, it's indoor soccer. It's got the same head coach. Tom Traxler is the head coach and general manager of the Central Florida Crusaders. And the first three signings on the men's side all former Seawolves players. So there's a lot to compare. One thing that Tom mentioned is that this is an opportunity to do indoor soccer right. And as you mentioned before, the Seawolves, it wasn't done right. This is the second chance for them. They're playing at UCF. They're playing at Edition Financial Arena. It is a much more intimate setting for indoor soccer. They are branding basically on the brand of UCF, just same colors, same etc. So when you go to that arena, it feels like a home arena because the colors are black and gold in the arena. The jerseys are black and gold. The logo is black and gold. It all feels together. One of the other signings that was not an Orlando Seawolves player is the one and only Mr. Will Johnson, former Orlando City midfielder. Now, I can't say for certain if there are going to be any other former Orlando City players, but there have been rumors. There's a lot of them that live in town. A lot of them that still want to keep active. You never know. But, as I mentioned, this is going to be different than the Orlando Seawolves, mainly because of how it's run, but also because it's not just a men's team anymore. There's a women's team. And they're going to be playing back-to-back games on the same days. So, you'll probably have a 5 o'clock and a 7 o'clock game. Maybe a, a a 5 and 6.30 game. The way that they typically do things is that the women go first. It takes about an hour and a half to two hours. And then the men's game goes. takes about an hour and a half to two hours. The way that they kind of pitched it is it would probably take about three to three and a half hours for both games to finish. Because they have a running clock. It doesn't stop for timeouts. It just goes. So it's it's a lot quicker than a typical MASL game. Because, well, it's not in the MASL anymore. It's the NISL the National Indoor Soccer League, which is a new league that has started up as of last year. So the big thing for 
this new team is that smaller budget, smaller everything, bigger venue somehow. But it's exciting. I think it's going to be very intriguing to see if they can do indoor soccer right, if they can get the UCF population involved, if they can get them to support this team and not just be, you know, it, it being there and not really having anyone show up like they did for Kissimmee. A lot of people complained that it was too far away in Kissimmee. Now it's in Orlando. We'll see what they say. But it is fun. I, I will say indoor soccer is, is very fun. When you have games that can finish 14 to 11, there's lots of goals, and people love goals. Yeah, it's one of those things where you go, you go if you want some a good time, you go for the action. You know, people don't go to minor league baseball games. Most people don't go you know, to watch the baseball. <laughs> they go because it's fun and it's mm-hmm. a good time, and you can you you know you can bring your friends, your family, and and everybody gets something out of it. And I, that's an opportunity here, right? And I know for a fact that the way the Seawolves did things in terms of fan engagement was poor. This time around, they're going to be doing a lot more fan engagement stuff, a lot more competitions, a lot more chances to win prizes, giveaways, etc. So there's going to be a lot more opportunities for people to, you know, get involved and be a part of the team versus show up and watch. There you go. Yeah. But hey, uh, you want to hear from the man himself, Tom Traxler? Sure. All right. So let's listen to uh, to what Tom had to say. Just a little snippet here of uh, what exactly Tom had to say after uh, being announced as the head coach of the Central Florida Crusaders. So uh, here is the man himself. I really am excited about this. This is a chance, um, I think, to, to do indoor soccer the way indoor soccer uh, was meant to be done. This arena is, is beautiful. Um, it's perfect for what we're going to do here. Um, the location of it, to be sitting right on the border of, of Orange County, Seminole County, uh, the great soccer clubs that are around here like FKK, uh, the great soccer community here that's built up by the University of Central Florida with their men's and women's teams, just the families that live in this area. Um, I think it really gives you a, a great opportunity to build a, a, an audience, um, something that's fun, something that's family friendly. And I, I really am excited. What ties do you hope to have with UCF? And it's um, we're certainly going to sit and talk with, with Scott and with Tiffany um, and, and see who's graduating and see what players want to remain in Central Florida and would like to continue their soccer career in a little bit of a different way, something that's a little different for them, something that's fun, um, but they can do right here at home, you know, in, in, a, in a place where they're going to graduate from. Um, and I think for them that could be special too because that's obviously pride for them, right? Um, to get the chance to play professionally at the place where you graduated college. Not a lot not a lot of players get a chance to do that, so I think it'd be special for them. Yeah, just kind of giving you a little idea of some potential plans going forward for this Central Florida Crusaders team. Now, the last thing I'll say about that name is a lot of people have expressed concerns for the name Crusaders based on the uh, historical aspect of things when it when it pertains to what the crusaders were back in you know the crusades um i can't speak much on the naming i know that nobody really uh thought of that i would say when they were naming that it doesn't seem like that at least from talking to them they wanted to kind of be more on brand with ucf the knights and somehow crusaders came up but I know it'll turn a lot of people off in terms of the name, but uh, it, it's a name. It's a sports name, and, and it's like calling a football team the Commanders. The Commies. I mean, you also have uh, uh, the, the Cleveland Guardians. You know, not necessarily the historical connotations there, but it's just like, it's it's a name. Yep, that that's a name of a sports team there. Sure is. The Lions, because everyone knows that there's Lions running around Orlando. Mm-hmm. Oh, Seawolves, too. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, Gavin, I bet you didn't know this. There was a former indoor soccer team that played at the Amway Arena back in the day. It was the original Orlando Lions, wasn't it? That was the first edition of indoor soccer in Orlando, and that was the Orlando Sharks. Mm. Not only were they the worst team in the league, but they folded after a single year. And also had very poor attendance. Weren't the Sharks the AFL team, too? 
or the what? No. The indoor football, the arena, yeah, the arena football league. That was the Predators. The Predators. I think the Sharks are the, are the Jacksonville AFL team. That is correct. Anyways, <laughs> it's about that time to wrap up the show. So, Gavin, you know what time it is. Oh, and I'm ready. Oh, you're ready. All right. It's weird news and red cards time. What's your weird news, Gavin? Austin, if you were on death row, what would your last meal be? Uh, it's a great question. All right, well, while you think about that, let me tell you what U.S. Congressman out of Texas, Ronnie Jackson's last meal, wouldn't be. It'd be a plate of dog penis. What? Texas Republican Representative Ronnie Jackson, who used to be the White House physician during the previous president, um, he was doing an interview on a podcast, and for some reason, this topic came up, and he said... He was asked what his last meal would be, and he said, it won't be dog penis. I ate a whole plate of that one time. I'm not doing that again. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Um, apparently, he explained that he he first tried the dish in South Korea, um, and it's not... It's gross. Because of its pinkish to brown appearance, it made a huge resemblance to the male private part. Ah, hence the name uh, penis fish. The site says, um, according to uh, Travel Food Atlas, it's a uh, it's a South Korean dish. Interesting. Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah. All right, I hate it. Uh, my weird news <laughs> is the city of New York tells residents don't panic about splooting squirrels. <laughs> Gavin, do you know what splooting is? Uh, yeah, it's uh, like when so like Australian shepherds love to do this. I mean, like a lot of dogs love to do this, mm-hmm. but it's like basically when they're just laying with like their legs kicked out behind them. Mm-hmm. It's very adorable. Yeah, basically, yeah. So the when the squirrels lay flat on their bellies and stick their arms and legs out wide. That is called splooting. Mm-hmm. And because it is so hot outside, the city of New York has had to send out notices of, please, if you see a squirrel lying down like this, don't worry, it's fine. Don't f- try and flip them over <laughs> and try and resuscitate them. Because apparently somebody tried to do that recently. <laughs> but the way that the NYC Parks described splooting is it's called heat dumping. So there you go. You've learned something now. Heat dumping and splooting are the same thing. There you go. So if if you ever go outside and someone asks, man, this is really hot. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to go sploot. Just going to go sploot. (laughs) Or I'm just going to go have a nice heat dump. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Ah, It's fun. All right. Gavin, you got any red cards or playing advantages this week? Um, I do have a red card for the... uh, wonderful human being that broke into our shed last week and mm. stole my bicycle that so, yeah that is so, a good, good red card yep and it's just now like this last week has been so beautiful like weather wise here in virginia um the humidity's dropped down the weather's been really nice so it's like perfect time to go back out biking when it's not a hundred hundred degree heat indexes every day um but now i can't so i'll get a new bike sad yeah how about you? Uh, my red card is to... Uh, I hate to do it, but multiverses. I was actually giving it a playing advantage the other day because it's such a fun game, but they've gone like full microtransactions to the point where it's like uh. disgusting. Um, the Battle Pass, they've just released Season 1. It is $10, just about. You have to buy $10 worth of Gleemium, which is their in-game currency, in order to buy the Battle Pass, right? In other games, you can earn that coinage back through the battle pass. Like Warzone does it, Apex does it, even I think Fortnite does it. But not multiverses. No. Uh, Every season, you have to buy $10 worth of Gleemium to buy the battle pass because they don't have any in the battle pass. Which means, once you play five seasons of the game, you've essentially paid $50 for the game. Is the game free? It is free. Oh, okay. Who um who publishes it? Uh it's it's a Warner Brothers game. I know that. Mm. 
it's it's player first games published by Warner Brothers Entertainment. So yes, it is a Warner Brothers published game. Mm. But it is a very fun game. If you like anything that is owned by Warner Brothers, they have Adventure Time, DC uh, characters, Game of Thrones, Gremlins, The Iron Giant, Looney Tunes, Rick and Morty, as you do, Scooby-Doo, LeBron James, Steven Universe, and Tom and Jerry. You know, uh, just the the players you think about for a fighting game. And this is basically Super Smash Bros, but Warner Brothers. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. It's literally, it, I mean, it's taking the place of Super Smash Brothers. One, it's free. Two, it's got characters that are a lot more well-known than some others from the Nintendo universe because Nintendo is very, let's face it, limited to their own characters. This is, mm-hmm. like, they're going to they're gonna have Gandalf and freaking Ted Lasso in this. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> their, their, their limitations are endless. Like they just they just added Stripe from the Gremlins franchise. Love it. It's like why? <laughs> they have Shaggy. Because they can. They have I, they have LeBron James. Like why? There you go. And he what does he does the meme. What what's great is like there's there's a there's an actual like thing there's a button you press and LeBron James will do the yelling at J.R. Smith meme. <laughs> there's also a button where uh, Velma will call the police on you. <laughs> <laughs> And then a cop car takes you, puts you in the car, and drives you off the map. I have seen that one, yes. Mm-hmm. So, it's a great game. I just hate that they have basically microtransactioned it to hell. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that's it. That's the show. Congratulations, that's Gavin. Just... We've done it again. We've done it again. All right. Well, I guess we'll see you next week. So, uh, for Gavin Eubank, I'm Austin David. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Orlando Soccer Show. We'll see you after all the weekend games. Hopefully they all win. Anyways. Bye-bye. Take care. And you're dirty brown water trash. And you're always going to be dirty brown. Water trash. <laughs> <laughs>